Okay, well, hello and welcome to episode number one of the Fresh Brains podcast. Um, with you as always, I'm your host, Scott, and uh, joining me tonight is Brian. So, Brian, say hello. Hello, everybody. I don't really know anything about movies, as you know. <laughs> but I like right, watching well, there, movies. There was Brian's introduction. You know him now. <laughs> I, I mean, what else? What else do they need to know? <laughs> Um, I mean, I do want to give, because this is our, our first episode, um, you know, I, I wanted to take a little bit of time to give some introductions, um, you know, going who we are, kind of why why we're into this. So I would say you can go first, you know, who are you, you know, why, wh- what do you love about horror? How long have you liked horror movies? Like what's, what's your whole background with regard to that? Yeah, well, I, it's kind of a hodgepodge. Um, I guess technically I've been watching horror movies since I was three years old, I think I saw my dumb parents let me watch Alien when I think I was like, I think I must have been three years old when I watched that. I don't remember exactly when it came out. But yeah, so I've had nightmares. I had what were called night terrors until Mm -hmm. I was like 12 years old. Um, But the good news is I don't really remember much of the movies that I watched then. Um, And, you know, I, I sort of, you and I have been watching movies for, for a little while, and it, it just really seems like I've never seen any horror movies. I've seen sort of the big ones. I, um, you know, I think one of my favorite movies right now is, uh, gosh, what's my favorite movie? Probably, you know, Last Shift was kind of a, a gem that I found. Okay. Yeah. And I think, I think you, you mentioned that. There's this other really horrible movie that you made me watch, Horrible as in terrifying. I think it was Found. That was really... <laughs> yeah. That was one of those movies I kind of wish I'd never seen, almost. <laughs> but, but I kind of like all, all types. Um, I really liked um, The Babadook. That was sort of surprisingly good. I kind of like movies that build really slowly or uh, movies that sort of surprise you with a twist. I'm a big fan of Lovecraftian horror, I guess. So, like, other than seeing Alien when you were a little kid, like, I, I've always gotten the impression you didn't really grow up watching horror, you know, when you and I met and started hanging out, whatever, five, six years ago, like, I kind of got the impression that horror was kind of new to you. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, I would I would say, you know, the title sort of fits. I, it's I'm fresh. <laughs> I think, you know, I like I said, I've really only seen the big stuff. I like scary movies, but until, you know, I met you and I think we did some stuff with, with your friend Eric for a while. I'd never really watched movies because I never really had anybody to watch them with. So, mm, okay. and people are always sort of telling me, Hey, did you see this? And I, I, the answer is always no, I've never seen that. Yeah. So I'm kind of the opposite. I, um, I've loved horror and all things scary for as, as long as I can remember. Uh, that's not to say it was actually movies and film though, because, I actually didn't come into horror movies until much later. Uh, you know, I, my parents were not horror fans. I didn't have any friends that were horror fans. So as a kid, I just didn't have access to rated R movies, you know, or <laughs> any way to really see them. Um, we didn't have, you know, premium cable or anything. So I'm not like sitting up watching HBO at night or anything like that. But as a kid, you know, from earlier than I can remember, I mean, one of my favorite things to do was, 
you know, when babysitters would come over and we'd turn off all the lights and tell each other, you know, ghost stories and campfire stories. And, you know, I went camping <laughs> yeah. a lot as a kid. And it's just like, I loved that just trying to get myself scared, you know, feeling. Yeah. Um, and it, it continued on. And like, I think in, I don't know, third grade or something at the book fair, I bought the scary stories to tell in the dark books, which might oh, I be. those. I didn't know if that was part of your generation really or not, but man, there's just scarred the hell out of me. The Stephen Gemmel artwork. Um, oh yeah. It was creepy. Like what oh, was it's it with the bloody fingers? Ugh. Phenomenal artwork. And like that right there just cemented how much I loved horror, you know, from that point forward. And I think in junior high, I discovered tales from the crypt. It was on Fox, you know, so it was not the uncut R versions, but it was still something. And, it was on like at the perfect the time. Weird, is that is that Tales from the Crypt? Is that the one with the creepy puppet thing? Yeah, the Crypt Keeper. Uh, ah, okay. Yeah, and so like two episodes of that were on every single night, like right before my bedtime. So I, <laughs> I had a little 13-inch TV in my room, and I'd get in bed, turn off the lights, watch Tales from the Crypt, and then go to sleep. Like that's what I did for two or three years through junior high. Um. And then it was, I, I saw a couple horror movies here and there, um, you know, in high school and that, but it wasn't really until college when I, um, you know, had a friend who really kind of introduced me to a lot of stuff. And I started going out to family video and was renting, you know, two movies, two horror movies at a time, probably twice a week, you know, for four years of college and like was just ravenous and anything <laughs> I could get my hands on would watch it and have been that way ever since so yeah um, I, man i miss those freaking movie rental stores you could go in there and you could look at like there was this really good one when i was in college you could go in there and just walls of stuff that i i don't know sort of scroll on netflix but it's all curated nowadays right true yeah and most of my rentals were you know they weren't based on google searches because google i don't even think was invented when i was in college <laughs> um maybe it was a web crawler search or something like that but um it was mostly just look at box art you like you'd go yeah. in and you'd see all these vhs or dvd titles and just look at the box art and say this is what i'm renting because this looks creepy you know nothing to base it on at all and yeah a whole lot of them were big stinkers but you know there's there were some good ones in there too and yeah so i just got a love for it and i'm certainly not going to claim to be an expert by any stretch of the imagination but I think, you know, just from hanging out with you, um, you know, and this kind of leads into what my motivation for doing this show was, is I've had fun watching horror movies with you, especially since there's a lot that you have never seen. And it, it leads to a few different things, one of which is kind of a nostalgia feeling like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like a ride along, right? Yeah, a little bit like, you know, I'll never be able to rewatch a movie for the first time again, you know, but to hear or to watch something with you, like you kind of get to see their reaction, you know, for the first time. So I'll get that out of it. I hope the listeners kind of do as well. And hopefully this format kind of lends itself to that. Um, but I also just think that there, you know, this is a, a fun way to, to see a lot of the classics again. Um, and I don't know, maybe if I scar you along the way with, you know, showing <laughs> something, <laughs> totally fucked up like that that'll happen too um yeah found was pretty that was pretty fucked up Holy <laughs> shit. 
Um, but I think the other thing that would be good by doing, or that I'm, I think oh, we'll get out of this is you have so many conversations with people that are, you know, diehard horror fans who will say, oh, this is just the best movie ever. Everybody loves whatever. I'm just going to pull some movies out like The Thing or um, mm-hmm. Halloween, you know, there's these titles that everybody just says this is great there's other other titles everybody says this is bad and i wonder how much of that is nostalgia how much of that is you know rose tinted glasses and i kind of just would be really curious to see if somebody who didn't grow up watching you know some of these movies how do they feel about it um do they still hold up or is it just us saying well of, of course this movie's great you know that's it's always been great you know but so yeah, great, be- great because it actually is still great or great because, you know, people have always said it was great. Right. Right. To, you know, or, yeah, fair, I do think the thing was great. And I stumbled upon it just one random night at home. Totally, totally surprised by it. Yeah. And you and you are correct. It is great. <laughs> I've never seen Halloween. Really? OK. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely like, get there. Um, I, so, yeah, the, I think, you know, for listeners you know, right now obviously first episode kind of the format that we're going for is we'll kind of do a little bit of a banter like this beforehand i want to kind of introduce the movie um predominantly you know we'll discuss what the movie is ahead of time but you know they're kind of movies that i pick and then you know we'll kind of discuss it talk about hey why, why it's important or why it's not or whatever and then after about 10 minutes, shut the mics off. And then you and I are just going to sit down and watch the movie together. And then as soon as it's done, turn the mics back on before we've had a chance to talk at all and, you know, go for another 20, 30 minutes and just kind of talk about what your thoughts were, your impressions, you know, like how, how, how the experience was, you know, the very fresh take without you having a couple nights to think about it or mull it over or whatever. And, yeah, and on that note, maybe we should we should mention that, you know, I've, you know, I'm not sure if, if we're totally sure on whether or not the movie that we're watching is going to be revealed to me ahead of time. But I think I, I will. It's it's yeah. You you've known me long enough. I'm a very lazy person, and <laughs> to try to plan anything else is just going to be too much work. So yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll, like we'll discuss it. in advance. <laughs> yeah, but but I'll try my best not to look up anything about the movie. I think you mentioned we're watching um, what is it the the, the Walking Dead? Is that what we're watching? No, or Night, Night of, of the Living Night Dead. Night of the Living Dead. Okay, so I've heard of this movie, but I've never watched it. And since you mentioned we were going to li- watch it. I uh, I haven't Googled it even. I haven't even looked at it at all. Yeah, so I picked this movie um, for, for a handful of reasons. Um, firstly is that I haven't seen it in a long time, so I've just kind of been in the mood to watch it again. Good uh, number two is for some random reason, I've just been in a big zombie mood lately. So, you know, why not go <laughs> to the, the grandfather of all zombie movies? Um, so is that what this is? This is like the first zombie movie? Not really. I kind of. Um, it's it's definitely held up as one of the beginning, you know, or or origins. Um, but the the main reason that I picked it is I thought that this would be a great first episode because this movie is, at least to me, and I, I think there's a lot of horror. Uh, fans that would that would agree with this sentiment, sentiment is that this movie is 
gave birth to modern horror. Um, so Night of the Living Dead came out in 1968. Um, George Romero, you know, one of his first movies. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about, you know, why I think afterward. But this this movie really is a, a line in the sand between all the horror movies that had taken place prior to that, which you, you could argue, you know, technically would go back even to 1910. Thomas Edison made a version of Frankenstein. It was like 13 minutes long. Um, but some of your first real feature length horror films were like in the early 20s, like 1992 or um, 1922 wow. was um, Nosferatu, uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, you know, German expressionist films. And Don't we move into that old. Oh my God. Oh, sure. Um, and, the, and there was all the, you know, Universal Studios, uh, classic monster movies, a lot of the Hitchcock and um, Vincent Price. You know, there, there's tons of stuff mm-hmm. through that era, but it all kind of had this similar theme. And there, there were political reasons for that, too. Um, and Night of the Living Dead is kind of the one that kicked the door down and said, no, we're changing things. And it was a real turning point for what horror was going to be from that point forward. Um so that's that's the one reason it's kind of the birth of modern horror. And the other reason people say that is because it's very, very difficult to see modern horror movies that don't in some way take something from this film. Um, it was just that influential, even if it's the director grew up watching this and, you know, just love it. There's there's stuff that you'll kind of see throughout um, and this kind of just, you know, reinvented the genre. Um, so I thought that was kind of a, a good little metaphor for starting the show. Let's start with the birth of modern horror and yeah, we'll definitely get into the, definitely get into the old stuff later too. You know, I'm, I'm a very big fan of, you know, the old classics as well. So I'm not just a modern snob, but, um, <laughs> I think this would, this would be a good kickoff point. So cool. Uh, well, I'm super excited now. So. All right, then I would say we'll take a break here. We'll we'll pause the recording and uh, we'll be back momentarily with our fresh thoughts on uh, Night of the Living Dead. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, we're back. So, uh, what'd you think? Yeah, well, it was pretty, pretty unsettling. The uh, especially the ending. It really heated up towards the end. And um, yeah, like I remember. I think for me, I think one of the creepiest. Part, like you knew the kid was going to turn into a zombie, but the I think the creepiest part was when I realized that they were just going to shoot him. I realized. <laughs> I realized it like. As soon as they started showing how much how much of them, there was just no questions asked, just people walking around, they're shooting them. And I knew they were just going to shoot them. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. So that was um, there. There's all sorts of little trivia bits to this movie. So the the kid coming back, you know, was kind of a big controversial thing because where I said that this was kind of a big you know turning point between classic horror and modern horror. Um, a lot of the like cliches and tropes of horror previous to this was that you know horror was always kind of still safe like there were there were rules about horror and things like um you could have a villain but typically the villain had to be some sort of grotesque monster um you know you think (laughs) about you know your dracula's your frankenstein yoke monsters you know that kind of thing um it was always something you know hideous and Mm non-human um you also there were rules for a long time that um the the good guy had to win at the end like the the he had to survive he had to triumph and and overcome and you know clearly this movie threw both of those things just completely out of the window like it's yeah. it's it's humans that are the monster it's, you know bo- both metaphorically and also okay the dead are coming back from blood to life but also just the metaphor of you know cooper more than anybody i mean it, it's about how humanity is just garbage <laughs> yeah and i think that's actually I, I mean it's a really old and you know it's a really old movie and i think you know some of it not not quite so great but it just had some scenes that are still i, I think kind of really unsettling and creepy even by today's standards and i like when you realize the the woman who sort of starts out as kind of the protagonist when you realize she's just totally lost her mind that was pretty scary when she starts like recounting what's happened to her and her brother but it's just off It's, it's really off that was really creepy to me at least and um and then yeah you were talking about sort of the bad guys just normal people i think you know one of the things that a lot of zombie movies today you know, they're creepy and scary, but at the end of the day, you know, like it's a zombie coming to get you, right? But I remember thinking when you first meet, I guess his name was Bill, when you first meet Bill in this movie, and you they sort of pause after he's killed like the two original zombies who were breaking into the car, right? And he pauses and they just have this still of him like looking tired with this, you know, like what is it, like a big wrench in his hand. And there's just two people dead, right? They don't look like anything other than just two dead people. He like just killed two people. I just thought that was really creepy. They didn't look that nothing nothing looked wrong with them other than that they were they were dead. So Yeah, yeah, that's true. And like as as it goes along, it becomes more and more apparent that oh, these are dead people coming back to life. Um, and, and a lot of what Romero did with this and why this movie was so important too, is that this was really one of the first zombie films. Um, you know, George Romero, if nothing else, George Romero created that slow shambling, the dead come back to life zombie. Um, there were movies before this, uh, there was a movie called white zombie, uh, 30, 1930 something I, I don't remember the year um yeah. that was more about like the voodoo zombie um okay and and there were movies that played with the voodoo 
concept, but this was the first movie of, you know, dead corpses rising, you know, and, and eating people. Um, so yeah. all of that, you know, we have Romero to thank. Um, but like prior to this, I mean, put yourself back in the shoes of 1968. Like you had never seen anything like this before. And, yeah. you know, kind of like I was telling you as we were watching it, like there is no explanation. There's a little bit of, well, yeah, there's some Venus radiation from some satellite, but Space that's radiation. It. Like they're speculating. They don't know that that's actually what caused it. But, you know, you don't see the things come out of the ground. It's just the movie starts. It's the middle of the day and there's dead things walking around. Why? I don't know. But they are. So deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. At first, I thought it wasn't going to be so scary. I think a lot of times older movies, they tend not to be so scary either just because the people don't act quite naturally in them or not. Like I think in this one, her, the, I forgot her name, but the, the, the blonde woman's brother, he sort of acts like a stereotypical, you know, like 1950s, 1960s actor, I think mm-hmm. from my super limited experience. And so I sort of got this feeling that, okay, they're going to run from these guys walking around in torn up suits and um and then it got dark i uh and the movie didn't i think like you said the movie and i think i mentioned this while we were watching it the movie didn't explain anything which i loved i i actually didn't even really like the explanation that they gave i thought it would have been okay like if they just said you know we have no idea what's going on people are coming back and the head coming back from from the dead and a headshot seems to kill them but, uh, yeah. And honestly, with a lot of movies and, and you'll get to know this about me, too, is like I love a good low budget film. And it's usually because once you're limited with what you can do, that's where creativity really comes out. Mm-hmm. And in a movie like this, you know, George Romero made this movie for basically 10 bucks and a six pack, pack of beer. Um, <laughs> you know, he had no budget to work with um most of the actors that are in the film were people he knew um wow really yeah and it was you know just this really kind of gorilla type thing and but it it lends itself to being so creepy and so scary just because of the low budget and the two examples i'll point to is number one you've got an isolated location so they couldn't afford, you know, giant sets and traveling all over the world. They could afford an old beat up house. So yeah. the entire movie takes place in this house. And because of that, you're so limited to your location. You're crammed up. So you really feel that kind of claustrophobia. Yeah, and it's, that's, that's, it's, a, that's exactly what I felt. Right. And it's purely because, well, they couldn't afford to do anything more if they could have it might have actually, you know, taken away from the film. Um, the yeah, other thing had, that worked had, really, really, what was that? Sorry. They, uh, they had, and they had Cooper, right. Who really, he was, I mean, he, he's like pacing around. So you feel like, oh, you've got a little bit of breathing room characters are sort of explaining what they think. And then Cooper's like always in the background pacing around like a madman. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Um, yeah, the other thing that 
it was that helped because of the low budget was the effects. So, you know, mm. nowadays we're so used to CG and computer graphics that, you know, just make everything look glossy and, and over polished. Mm-hmm. Something like this, they had very little to work with, you know, so it was literally people just walking around shambling and because of the kind of ambiguity of it, that adds an extra little layer of the fear. Um, yeah. But also then, you know, I think the most effective or one of the most effective scenes in the whole movie is after the truck blows up and then you see all of the the creatures, you know, making their way there and they start eating. Yeah. And oh, it was awful. It's so visceral. And, yeah. you know, they literally just went to the butcher and got, you know, livers and pieces of meat and organs and said, here, start eating. And so those actors just started eating the food and it, it, it looks real because it is real. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> people eating raw liver. I, I mean, yeah, like this, Ugh. you're, but, but, you know, it wasn't, Oh, we found that if you mix this and this chemical together and dye it, this color, like it looks kind of like a brain, like, no, they're just like, here, here's the real thing. Just go to town. And so it looked real. Cause it is real. <laughs> it was disgusting. Yeah, it. Um, I think one of the things I really liked about this movie is that it sort of, it almost, it kind of like took its time. Like I don't know how long the movie was exactly, but was it was it close to two hours, right? Uh, what is the running time on this? Um, yeah, I guess I felt like it. It didn't really rush too much, and um, I thought that gave it this like. Like um, like a tortured, drawn out kind of quality. Like like sometimes you have a bad dream, and it's like the really bad dreams you have are the ones you can't really wake up from. Mm-hmm. And I I remember like thinking, you know, after everybody else is in the house, and it's and he, and you know it's just Bill right in the basement, and he he is and he did end up in the basement with the door boarded. Ben, and, not Bill. Oh, Ben. Sorry. Yeah. But and I'm thinking, okay, the movie's just gonna fade out to black here, and then it just sort of kept going, and uh, like I think that scene with the truck, where like, okay, the truck's on fire, you know, I had my gasp moment where he sprays the truck with gasoline right in front of the torch, and then they stay on the truck, right? They like don't go away, and then you see the aftermath. I just thought that was so, ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the other real impactful scenes is when the the daughter, you know, comes back, um, which, again, that's kind of what I was starting to talk about before, about, you know, kind of the break between classic and modern horror is that in in classic horror, kids were safe. Like you there you were never going to show violence or anything too graphic against a child. there were a couple minor examples of it in, in various movies and it was always this huge deal. But, you know, that was one of the things that Romero did here was just kind of say like, you know, fuck it, we're going for it. And to have a kid come back from the dead and then murder her mom and eat her father, like it's shocking. Oh, the the mom killing scene was awful. I was like yeah. pulling my hair because it was so, it was so slow. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that's that's the kind of thing that we're almost numb to today. But yeah. in '68, that would have just floored audiences. Like you, you don't do that. Like, uh, yeah, they're used to like Dracula, right? Like Bela Lugosi. 
Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Hitchcock kind of things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the other big thing that's really controversial about, about the movie is, you know, the, the final scene and it's been, I, I was wondering if you would pick up on this or, or have any comment on it, but there's a lot of, um, you know, it, it, today there's a lot of, um, talk about, you know, the, um, like the political message of the fact that your hero is a black guy that then in the end is shot by a bunch of rednecks. Um, yeah. Which. Yeah. I it, was, yeah. I picked up on that too. I am. Um, like, I, I think that was one of the things I was thinking about. Like I didn't, I didn't notice it at first, but I realized all of a sudden like, Oh wait, I think you saw me, I asked when this movie was made and you said the sixties and I'm thinking, Oh wow. So it's like, you know, I guess back then, you know, you have, you have the guy, Ben, right. Who's, who's black and he's like bossing everybody around. I guess that would have been like a, a really weird thing. Well, and there's a scene when it's just him and Barbara in the house. Yeah. And like yeah. She, she faints and he, he lays her on the couch and then like unbuttons her dress to, cause she said she was hot. And, you know, uh, those are the kinds of things that would have been very, very uncomfortable at the time. Um, gosh. Now what's interesting is that despite the, like, I don't know how much you know about Romero, but like his reputation is that actually he's, nothing. I've okay. never heard his name before. <laughs> um, he's he very big on, political statements um Interesting. you know he, he usually puts some pretty heavy-handed messages in his movies um i'm sure at some point in the show we'll end up watching the sequel to this dawn of the dead uh, which has a very very strong anti-consumerism anti-capitalist message mm-hmm. to it um so a lot of people have have made the claim that it's like oh this was romero's way of making a statement about race and that and coincidentally or you know it's come out later that he's actually said actually no like that wasn't his intention at all like he didn't cast um you know anybody in this movie intentionally Dwayne Jones who plays Ben like he mm-hmm. cast him just because he was the best person for the role it had nothing to do with what his race was he wasn't even thinking about that at the time um but it's just interesting that you know that's one of those examples of where people have taken these messages and kind of glommed onto them after the fact and you know again i'm no expert i've never talked to romero about this but from everything (laughs) i've heard it was never an intentional thing yeah yeah i guess i I mean i think i think i had a a feeling i I thought about it a little bit in the beginning but i I probably missed a ton of that stuff yeah man it was a creepy movie i you know, I didn't, I really didn't expect it to make me gasp. I don't know if you, if you heard me, but oh, when yeah. they first, when she's first going up the stairs and they show like the half eaten woman, right? Uh, I I didn't, I really didn't imagine that a movie this old was going to be able to like shock scare me, but it, that part really did. You know, I like, I knew something was wrong in the house, right? Cause you see the messed up furniture. And again, the movie—they don't—they don't really tell you anything what's going on, right? Which I, which I like, but then, man, they really got me. Ugh. Yeah, and I mean, the, the, all the things that you're saying, like this was the first movie to really be able to do that effectively. You know, wow. prior to this, is as you looked through, um, 
other movies earlier in the 60s, it, it was a lot of Hitchcock. Um, you know, he, he didn't he wasn't the only director, you know, in the 60s. But like that was that's what a lot of people think of when they think of early 60s horror. And, you know, a lot of a lot of Hitchcock stuff is very suspenseful more so than it is terrifying. And there are things that are implied. There are things that are uh, hinted at. But even, you know, famous scenes from I don't know. Have you, have you seen Psycho? No, I haven't, actually. Okay. I think well, I, I may have seen clips of it. Which I don't think you can escape it these days, but I've never seen the whole movie. All right, then I won't I won't make the comparison I was going to because we'll we'll do that at some point. But <laughs> th- there's a very big difference between the way violence is portrayed in that movie versus the way it's portrayed here. Um, you know, and here's the first one where they're like, let's just go for it, put it right in your face. And then kind of people took that and ran with it. And as we start watching movies from the seventies, especially like it's, it, it, there were no rules in the seventies. Huh. Um, Interesting. This kind of gave, directors free reign to say oh it is okay to do this and (laughs) here we go it's a it's the wild west interesting yeah i remember i remember thinking this movie like you know it sort of it sort of has like it's um like the sort of class i I don't know i've i've watched a bunch of modern like i've seen 28 days later and a bunch of other i guess more popular zombie movies and they all have sort of this roller coaster to them right it's Mm -hmm. sort of like you start off really going fast and then you slow down as you meet people and people turn out to be crazy. Right. And then you try and do something and it fails. Right. And I, but then I think I got the first hint that this movie was going to be sort of surprising, I guess, when uh, they showed that one of the, one of the zombies was like this naked woman. And I thought, I don't think I've seen a lot of movies from the sixties where you have like an actual naked person walking around. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that was, that was new, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, that was another part of like the Hayes code and, you know, the rules from previous to this was no violence against children. You know, the hero has to win. The monster has to be a true monster, no nudity. Like there, there's scenes in Hitchcock where he couldn't even allude to sex. Like, really? yeah, there's a, um, oh, which movie is it? Uh, strangers on a train i think um maybe i'm getting that wrong the, the, there's a there's a famous movie that he did where like he wanted to show a scene where a man and a woman like fall in love and they're getting ready to do it um <laughs> and he, he couldn't so instead what he does is is the film itself there's a scene where like they kiss and then it kind of fades to black and then the train that they're on suddenly drives, it zooms out and the train drives into a tunnel, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's like Freudian, very Freudian. Exactly. You know, <laughs> and like, even that kind of got him into some trouble as I recall. What? Um, really? But like, that's, that's how tight censorship was. Like you just could not show anything beyond that. And then, yeah, for this to come around and be like, yep, here you go. Here's, Here's some boobies. Like, go for it. Yeah. And pretty early into the movie, actually. Mm-hmm. And I think usually, you know, when you have movies early in, you have, when you have boobies early in a movie, it's like, oh, nice. It's going to be a great movie. But <laughs> these were really creepy. Yeah, if you're getting turned on in this movie, I think there's something <laughs> was, really wrong with it. It was like, 
Ugh. <laughs> it was awful. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to kind of bring up and talk about just to get your impression on is with this being your first Romero zombie movie. Um, also, trivia bit. Did you notice that they never once used the word zombie in the movie? No, I did not notice that. Mm-hmm. They talk about, you know, the flesh eaters, or the creatures or the things or the Assassin. ghouls. But <laughs> no, the word zombie had not been coined yet. It was not in this movie. Wow. Interesting. Um, but no, what I was going to get to was, you know, Romero kind of invented the slow shambling um, kind of the, the creeping dread type zombie. Mm-hmm. And then years and years later, we ended up getting, you know, the running zombie, you know, the the, the rage zombie is what they're kind of called. And that's like right. 28 days later. Um, uh, what else did it like quarantine? did it and wreck um, the Dawn of the Dead remake. Like they all had the, the fast running zombies and there's this like very dividing line between horror fans of which is better, which you know <laughs> pe- people love one and say the other is blasphemous, you know, or whatever. But like it, the argument has always kind of been, well, I, I don't want to say what the argument is. What, what's your opinion here? Like did oh. do you find this type of zombie creepy, scary? I mean, yes, they're they're creepy and scary. I don't know which one's more creepy. I think I think these zombies were scary because they seemed they seemed so much like just humans, right? Mm-hmm. Like okay. the people they didn't really have a ton of makeup on, right? They were like a little bit of pa- they were a little pale, right? And even when they start, I even I didn't really even think the zombies that had like the the weird gunk on their faces, right? Whether they've got wounds that have festered or something. I didn't even think those zombies were as creepy as like the old guy walking around in the cemetery, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I thought they were creepy. I don't know which one's creepier. I think um, part of me wants to say that as long as the zombie really looks like, you know, just a human who's like recently died, it's, it's kind of creepy because it's more realistic. Whereas if it's a zombie that's running, it's no longer like a person. It's a, it's like a monster, right? Like right. In, I think in 28 days later, they all have like red eyes and giant gaping wounds. And you know, like, oh, that's a monster. It's not, could be maybe a human, right? Right. Yeah. And a lot of the, the like running zombies obviously pose a more obvious threat, you know, an, yeah. an immediate threat. Um Whereas, you know, the argument for the for the old slow shambling zombies is like, just like Ben says in the movie, it's like, oh, there's two of them out there. I can take care of two. And that's the idea. The others. <laughs> if there's one, you've got one. Two, yeah, I can handle two. Maybe even five. Like, I could handle five. But they say but the, the five thing is, flip a car, right? Right. Well, and also it's like the idea is that there's never just five. There's yeah. behind that, there's another 10. Behind that, there's another 30. Behind that, there's another 50. And they're never going to stop. Like it's, it's a, they're a metaphor for death. Like it's, it's always creeping. It's always coming for you. You can sleep. You can take a break. It won't like, they're not going to stop coming after you. And eventually they will overpower you and get you. It's not going to be in a fight for your life kind of way because they're not that strong, but it's just this inevitable thing. Like you can't 
outrun this. Yeah, growing, like literally a growing sense of dread right. <laughs> right. and fear. Yeah, I, I like that. I've always liked suspenseful stuff, you know. I've never balked at like really long movies that really take their time. So I don't know. We'll, I think they're we'll both scary, up, I guess. Okay. Yeah. And we'll end up doing um, more Romero movies later. Uh, he did six total. Um, oh. There were three that are kind of considered the classic trilogy, which was this the Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. Um, okay. Then he took a break for a while and came back with um, three more, which are lesser revered. Um, but the, those first three really set up this, this arc. Um, and it's, they're not sequels in the sense of, uh, carrying over characters, like none of the characters continue, but it does show like the evolution of the uprising. Like in this Mm -hmm. one, it's the beginning. There's just a handful of them. Uh, it seems pretty isolated and controllable. By Dawn of the Dead, it's kind of like, nope, they're everywhere. And then by Day of the Dead, it's it's a full-on endemic. Like, it's, Ooh. you know, we live with these now. Um, <laughs> so you just kind of see you know, the evolution of it and how it just progresses. And it's like, you think you got it under control, but y- you don't. <laughs> oh, gross. Awful. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing these, actually. Yeah. So I guess I guess you asked if we wanted to see if this movie held up to the test of time. I, I would say almost almost 100 percent. I think there are some scenes that, you know, probably not so not so great. But uh, I think for the most part, this is still a creepy, creepy movie. Watch it with the lights off. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very glad to hear you say this because, yeah, it's regarded as a classic. I've never in my life heard anybody say a single negative thing about it. I think the worst things people will say is that it's their second favorite of the Romero movies or third favorite, but like, it's never (laughs) that it's a bad one. So yeah, Yeah, personally personally of the trilogy, it's, it's my favorite. I, I go back to this uh, at least once every couple of years, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a favorite for sure. Yeah. Ugh. The car scene was so gross. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I, one of the things, I don't know if, if we have too much more time, but one of the things I thought was kind of fun watching this, I feel like I've seen shots from this movie in other movies. Um, I think I, I've, I, there was a few of them in there, but um, I think one of them that stood out to me is when she's staring, just little shots, like she's st- in the beginning the the blonde woman is sort of staring into this um, creepy little music making machine, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's really close up on her eyes, and you can tell that there's just sort of something wrong with her already, and the intent that she's staring at this thing. I think they have the same scene in um, what is it, Cabin in the Woods, where they go down to the basement and they're all sort of looking at stuff. Mm, okay. And then the also also the the credits, right? I think a lot of was that the first time people sort of they killed him, and then you sort of see, right, like the news footage, right, like tabloid clips of 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 uh, Ben being you know found laying on the ground and slowly put into the fire. Right. So like I've seen that before. Yeah, interesting. I, I, I haven't seen Cabin in the Woods in a long time, but you know that's that's what I went to or said at the beginning is that 
this was so influential on so many people because every horror director saw this and every horror director probably was inspired by it in some way. So yeah, that makes total sense. Oh yeah, it was creepy. All right. Well, I think this was a successful first episode. Um, Be sure if you are uh, interested or, you know, like what you saw, be sure to follow us on uh, social media. We've got, uh, got our name out there in a few different places. We're on Instagram at fresh for brains podcast, uh, Facebook, fresh brains podcast as well. Um, We're also looking for, you know, any show suggestions. So if, if you've got some ideas that you think would be fun to, to have Brian watch and, you know, we could do a little watch along then uh either hit us up there on facebook or instagram or email us we've got freshbrainspodcast at gmail.com uh reach out and um yeah share the love um and you know i i, I won't try to to pimp this out too much but you know it's it's the, 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 the obligatory thing that new shows have to do we are on itunes um we really appreciate if anybody would be willing to go over and give us a uh, quick review especially for new shows like that's the best way for us to to really get our name out there and to make our way up the rankings and and get noticed so we want the more we want the downloads to keep coming so we can we can get the feedback and and the reactions so um yeah let us know what you think let us know if you think night of the living dead still holds up and um yeah shoot some show suggestions to us um but uh yeah i guess that's that's all i really got this week um brian any closing thoughts Watch this movie if, like me, you've never seen it and a whole bunch of other movies that I think Scott said that I've never heard of. So, uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun, Scott. Thanks so much. Yeah. Forgive the fact that we just spoiled the living hell out of it. but <laughs> <laughs> Or the living dead, right? Uh, there you go. <laughs>